Hi, everybody. This is Lori Handler, and you're tuned in to another segment of Tantra Cafe, a program for spiritual enlightenment. And I'm your host, and I'm thrilled to be here, as always. I have to say that this show lights me up. Doing this show lights me up more than most things in my life, and I'm a pretty excited person about everything. So my show is a highlight. It's really a highlight. Well, the subject tonight is East Meets West. What does this mean? In the beginning, I think it meant foreign policy and foreign relations, everything from Richard Nixon and China to Dwight Eisenhower to Kennedy to, you know, the different politicians that we had. And and East Meets West was always this Henry Kissinger kind of a thing. It wasn't anything that affected me, although for some people, East meets West means that they like Chinese or Thai food. And lately, it seems that in the West, the West has become the new East because there's yoga studios on every corner and people from New York to Minneapolis are meditating. In other words, it's not just a California phenomenon because before... It was only, you know, people in California were brown rice and they did meditation. <laughs> but, but now, it's Ayurvedic medicine has become a household phenomenon due to the efforts of Deepak Chopra. So, my guest today, Chandi Devi, is somebody who knows something about East and West, what it means to be from the East and what it means for Westerners to try and compare themselves to or meditate like or have practices that come from the East. Chandi Devi has taught practical tantra and the meditative arts for many years. She was editor-in-chief of Karma Cafe for a couple of years, and now she hosts their online radio show, the Karma Cafe Spiritual Hour, and she features professionals of diverse backgrounds, including me. I've been on her show, and... She's, she's written a book. She has a DVD set that has to do with practices to activate and transmute sexual energy, which we're no, we're not strangers to on this show. So she's going to tell us about all those things that I mentioned. She's been featured in magazines. And she basically is an expert in the subject of Tantra and the spiritual path, path, the Eastern spiritual path. So, Chandi, I'm just going to start right away with, the most important thing I want to know from you really is, what's your opinion on why the West and the East, you know, how does the Western mind deal with the Eastern spirit? How can, how can these two, it's more than, than food loving or Henry Kissinger. How, how is it that people in the West have fallen in love with Eastern spiritual practices and, and really the Western mind and the Eastern mind are different? So please tell us something about that. Shed some light on that. Okay. Hi. Thanks for having me here, Laura. <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, I think the, the concept um, that is prevalent in the West, in the West is that God is outside of you, and he is a separate entity. And you have to always, therefore, look 
outside rather than within. They don't stress the importance of um, of surrender. You know, what is that? And in the West, everyone is very um, uh, third chakra, um, you know. Um, Assertive? Yeah, exactly. And and they they misinterpret many of the or misunderstand many of the concepts. For instance, surrender doesn't mean you're submissive. It means you're just letting go, letting go of the ego and letting go of things that hold you back from experiencing the divinity that is within and not without. But, you know, I suppose in the old uh, culture when Christianity first began, it, it was a means to control the masses, to keep the masses uninformed and keep them dependent upon a separate entity, the church. You know, religion is a great thing. It's a wonderful thing. But I think it, what happens is when you use it as a means to control the masses, then it loses its power and it creates dependent individuals who have not the knowledge to look within for all the answers they seek. Because everything, everything you want to know is within you if you just know how to access it. So let me just see if I understand what you're saying. I mean, I understand the stuff you said about religion, about Christianity anyway, but I feel the same about all religions. Yes. That, that religions have made people into sheep. I don't think that was the... I mean, I just I have to say this because you, you you brought it up. Otherwise, I, I would try to be RC religiously correct on my show. But I I feel that what you just opened up. I don't think Christ meant for people to be sheep. I don't think Muhammad meant for people to be sheep. I don't think that Moses meant for people to be sheep. He he kept them in the desert so, for forty years so that they could lose their slave mentality, and it didn't work. So and even in Hinduism, I. I People are sheep. They they don't, and I don't know. I don't think Buddha meant for it. I don't I don't know that any of it depicts. But it's all been a way to control people to to deal with the fact that there's so much humanity, and and if there is no law or way to deal with people, to tell people what to do, people are they're in chaos. So so going to what you said. You're saying that people have everything they want inside them. Yes? Everything within, right. We are just a microcosm of the universe. So everything out there is, you know, there's a saying, um, to know the body is to know the universe. And when they're talking about that, they're not meaning just the physical body, but they're talking about, you know, your emotional body, your, your, whole, your whole being. And it's really important to get to the core of really who you are and see yourself as the genuine, authentic person that you are. We deal too much, I think, in the West with artificiality and things that are not genuine. And we put a high value on the artificialness and, if you will, the, the often the insincerity that goes with it rather than being a person who can accept his whole being because he is, he feels um, so much a part of the universe, we create little fragments, you know, we're, we're, we're all in, um, we all have fragmented personalities, 
And I think the whole purpose of spiritual spiritual practices and the way the West has embraced the East is because we are all seeking to unify ourselves. And only by unifying ourselves individually can we, you know, unify the universe as well as becoming one with our partner. So it all starts with the individual. And this is where the work of meditation and all of the Eastern practices uh, come in. And the other thing we don't understand in the West, because there's not that much emphasis put upon it in the religious um, uh, ideas, but we talk about karma a lot. And this, you know, this feature is very important because what it does is it places the responsibility onto the individual. So you are responsible for everything that happens to you. And there is no blame to be cast or no pointing fingers or, you know, trying to um, get an excuse out of your own actions because it's really true. For every action, there is a reaction. And you can only uh, truly practice a, um, have a spiritual lifestyle if you really understand the concept of karma and how your actions will affect everything that happens to you, whether it happened in previous lifetimes or in this lifetime. But also the practice of, or the concept of dharma, and dharma is similar. It's, it's having an ethical or moral um, flavor or, 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 or um, what is the word, an uh, outlook toward anything that goes on. I, I could I just, I, yeah, could I say that I'm thinking that it's really context. Mm-hmm. Isn't Dharma kind of like your context in which you live the life? It's a context. Um, it's your also your your duty, if you will, kind of mm. your your obligation as to what um, you know what what you what you um, extend to others and they extend to you. But it's behavior that is yourself regulated. You're not doing it because somebody's watching you or because somebody's going to punish you. Yeah. You're doing it because you yourself. You have to live with it, and you are the one who is watching you. So there's nobody else watching you. So even right. if you lie or cheat, and you can fool everybody, you know, you're not fooling yourself. And this is who you really have to live with. So it makes it difficult, you know. Um, it would be very difficult to have to live inauthentically. And I think there's a big difference there. So, So... You mean a big difference between Easterners and Westerners in terms of authenticity? Yes. Yeah. Yeah, I think that's why I, that's we, you know, you and I have had an earlier conversation about me going to India. I think I find people more authentic right. in right. India um, than I do in, in the United States anyway, or in Britain mm-hmm. or whatever. So. Yeah. So, yeah. So how do so how do we it's it's vast what you're talking about I mean how do we bridge this gap how do how can Westerners 
Where, first of all, where are you originally from? I'm from Hawaii, and my uh, my grandparents are from the east, so I was a third generation um, American, but my grandparents did come from Okinawa. Wow! So, so I am kind, you know, I am both. I'm uh, east and west. But growing up, I you know, I'm surprised because I thought it was you know for me it was quite normal. Um, we could. You know, my mother encouraged me to, um, you know, if I wanted to go to Sunday school with my cousins, you know, go ahead. But they never imposed any um, teachings on me or, or insisted that I had to be christened or anything like that. My mom's attitude was that when you're of age, you can choose whatever you want, you know, as a religion. And, and you, um, you know, we did. Yeah, and, and whenever we went to grandparents' house, we lit the incense um, on her altar, her puja. And, um, you know, honored her ancestors, and she was quite pleased about that. And we saw no conflict. It was just natural. (laughs) That's great. So how do we bridge the gap with Westerners? I mean, obviously you can bridge the gap to a certain extent. Exactly. It's a lot easier because I didn't have that, you know, all the um, brainwashing or whatever you call it, you know, put upon me. I was pretty independent. Um, but I think Western is already doing it. You know, what, what happens is when a country becomes more materialistic, they become less spiritual. And right now in India, they're becoming, you know, more advanced um, economically in every way. And so they're kind of um, slacking off on a lot of their spiritual practices. And it's interesting because now they're going toward like you, they're going towards the Western teachers for their oh. uh, education, spiritual education, which is really great. Well, I, I have to tell you, I was I was going to actually say that in my when I in my beginning, I was going to say that when I'm in India, everybody wants to be my student. <laughs> yeah. they, they flock to me, and I'm always flabbergasted by that. I'm puzzled by that. And when I look for, I have combed India looking for certain types of tantra teachers mm-hmm. who are called agori. Yeah. And I can never find them. I found one once, mm-hmm. but it was very difficult to make appointments with him because, you know, and also he didn't speak English or even Hindi. So it was very difficult to to find somebody who could translate and to have me surrender in a certain way to his teaching. And I, I've, I've really looked a lot. I mean, maybe I haven't looked in the right places. I don't know. I just keep saying, if I keep seeking, I'll find someone. But maybe I, I'm not supposed to meet a teacher like that. Maybe I'm supposed to keep doing what I'm doing and they're supposed to meet me. I, I It's puzzling to me. It's very puzzling. Yeah. <laughs> It's interesting how that works. Maybe he's in a cave. That's probably where he is. Yeah, well, I don't know where to find these caves. <laughs> yeah. I know. I, I would be fascinated myself, you know. Um, so, and I have a friend who, who does have teachers who um, live in the cave, tantric teachers who, you know, have not eaten for years or slept, and, uh, and they just, um, oh, I think it would be quite an experience. Oh, let me know if you want to go because I'd love to meet these teachers. Look for okay. 
<laughs> Let's go. Let's go. <laughs> I'll well, talk to my friend. I'll ask you. <laughs> well, how has the practice of Tantra changed your life? Because since you're a bridge between the East and West, mm-hmm. and there's a, you have a uniqueness about you that I, you can translate, I believe, to me and to to us. So 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 you stumbled upon Tantra somehow. How did you stumble upon it, and how has it changed your life? Mm-hmm. Well, I was going through an awful, awful um, divorce. It was just horrible. And my friend um, insisted that I should go to meditation. <laughs> and at the time, I, you know, I said, well, I really want to meditate, but I can't do it right now. I'm too busy. And um, <laughs> she insisted. <laughs> so I reluctantly went to one. And as soon as I walked into the room and I sat in the chair, I was just swept away. It was just the most awesome, incredible thing. As we chanted, I, I cried. I mean, I just felt all their love, and I said, you know, I want to be like these people. They, look how peaceful they are. Okay, so I went home with every week I would buy, like, you know, half a dozen books, and I just just delved myself into it. <laughs> I, I got so passionate about my studies. So this went on for a couple of years, and um, I thought, boy, this is taking too long. I don't want to wait 20 years, you know, to, to have the experience, uh, <laughs> an enlightening experience and all of that. And then for some reason, somehow, Tantra kept popping up everywhere I went. In the mail, I was receiving things. I mean, it was just um, just amazing how it, <laughs> it came just Every which way I looked, it was Tantra, Tantra. And I said, oh, you know, I wonder if this is something I need to study because it seems to be a sign. And when I read about it, it said that it can accelerate your path. And that got me. It was like, okay, that's what I got to do then. <laughs> and and that's how it got me started. I wanted a path. I wanted to accelerate my path. And I had heard that Tantra was the way to do it. And um, to make a long story short, it is. It, I would say, you know, within the first year of my practice, I must have jumped at least a couple of years. Wow. It, it was really, really everything that it, it said it was. And and also some other things, you know, like there's well, a lot of positive aspects also. Well, I'm going to ask you to hold that right there because I just want that they're listening, you're listening to Tantra Cafe. I'm Laurie Hamlet, your host. And my guest today is Chandi Devi, who is the host of another radio show, the Karma Cafe Spiritual Hour. She is a Tantra teacher. She's had a shock, the awakening. She is going to tell us more about her Tantra practice and how it's affected her life when after we pause. For... For most of you, if you're wondering what book you should read to jumpstart your sex life and increase your happiness, I, I want to invite you to try my book, Sex and Happiness, The Tantric Laws of Intimacy. This short, easy-to-read book will make you laugh at yourself and possibly it'll even make you cry as you discover my tantric secrets for happiness and how they apply to you. In the book, I begin with the tenth law, which is make love in the unknown 
And then I work you all the way through laws one through nine to teach you how to get to making love in the unknown. I want your life to be fresh every moment of every day, holding on to nothing and embracing everything and having it be really fresh, like a new experience. Sex and happiness puts the innocence and love back into sex and gives Tantra the respect it deserves. It's only $19.99 in paperback or $14.99 in ebook. Go to sexandhappiness.com to order your copy of Sex and Happiness by me, Laurie Handler. That's sexandhappiness.com. So when we left off, we were talking about how you accelerated this is Shandi Davy, my guest today, and she accelerated her meditation practices and where, what she was aiming at by incorporating Tantra into her life. After reading about it, her first year of studying Tantra, she said, jumped her ahead by fathom. So tell us a little bit more, Shandi Davy, about how, how you... What do you mean by and the more? You know, how how did this accelerate you? What? What what qualities? Um oh gosh. It, you know, initially I just felt this extreme bliss. Just and oh and the bliss of just um just feeling joy twenty four hours a day for weeks on end. And, um, you know, not, not getting angry, feeling so much more at peace. Um, later, it, it went on to help my health. You know, I, I was able to um, recover completely. I, I was diagnosed um, after a flu shot <laughs> um, with rheumatoid arthritis, which does not run in our family. And there was no indication of it. It took the doctor several months to realize what I had. And so, you know, and this is part of the process as well. I knew in my heart that it was a purification process. That it was something that I had to get rid of. But it wasn't easy because I couldn't walk. I couldn't dance, you know, and I dance, and I'm a dancer. How, wait, how long did this, how long did this How long did this last? Oh, years, years. And today I am completely... Um, free of it. My tests show zero rheumatoid factor in my blood, my blood work. And it's completely healed me. I'm, um, I've never been healthier. When I was in Florida, I was tested for allergies because I also had asthma <laughs> and everything. I was allergic to everything you could imagine. Well, last year or the year before, I came back to California and tested here and I have nothing. I have no sign of any allergy. Um, no asthma, no rheumatoid. It's just, it's just amazing. And, and you know that it is not, you know, just coincidence, which there is no such thing as coincidence. Right. Definitely something happened. And, um, you know, I attribute it all to, to the fact that, you know, when you work with, when you, when you are in Tantra, you're working with chakras and the Kundalini. And for some reason, you know, as you go along and you purify yourself, or at least you, you know, you, you try to, but it does show you results. And then each, with each result that you get, 
you're inclined to stick with it even more so. <laughs> and the thing, though, is important is that when things are not good, you really can't go into self-pity or, you know, any of the negative um, thought, thoughts. You just have to really, again, the word is surrender, and know that it is there for some purpose, but hold the highest hopes and aspirations, and, and know that um, it is not permanent. And, and it's really a challenge, I'm telling you. It is a challenge. And I went through, you know, well, times well, where I cried and said, you know, I know what I'm supposed to do and we're trying to do it, but darn, this down thing hurts, you know. <laughs> and it, it's just um, being brave. In fact, they say about Tantra that it's a path of the Vera, the warrior. You really have to be quite courageous because you don't know what's there. And when you I like purification, that. yeah, when you on purification, you don't know what's what's lurking. So I, you have I to face your own right. inner demons. Now, now let's come back for a second because I want to make sure that everybody understands the chakras. Kundalini could mention that, and and we move quickly on. I know you're talking about the. I personally know that you're talking about a process of purification and moving energy. And let's tell us a little bit about what you, what your definition of Kundalini is and how it moves, what the chakras are. Mm-hmm. I know it's basic, but I want to make sure people really get what you're saying, you know? Yeah. And it can't be said enough. <laughs> Kundalini is the energy that lays, well, they depict her as a serpent who lays at the base of your spine and she is wound up three and a half times. And she is pure Shakti, pure energy. What we want to do is, um, during practices, what happens is you awaken the energy, the sleeping serpent, and she slowly uh, will ascend up your spine. Her goal is to get to the seventh chakra, the Sahajra, where Shiva, who is consciousness, is... is uh, in dormancy there. He's pure consciousness, but he's inert until he is awakened by the Kundalini Shakti. So her job is, uh, from the first chakra, and you know, you do the exercises, and we do the exercises to move her, to start her ascent up. So we work first um, to get her through the first chakra, which is the Muladhara, and this chakra is uh, the chakra that stores your um, samskaras and your, your early life impressions. This is the survival chakra. So as you go through, when you first start to awaken her, all kinds of issues regarding survival issues um, may arise. And, you know, it's important to keep focus that it could be a first chakra phenomenon going on here. Uh, eventually, she will ascend up to the second chakra, which is, which is the sex chakra. And it's like the area uh, below the navel where the kidneys are. And, um, and where the sex is. It's the um, It's it's love on the physical level. <laughs> it's not 
Okay, let's just leave it there. And then it goes up on the third <laughs> we'll go oh, to the chakra. We um, could say, say, too, that the sex chakra has to do with pleasure and pain mm-hmm. on a different level and on the emotional level. Emotional. Right. And the third, of course, is your power, your willpower, your um, um, your determination, your, you know, the things that you, you really need to... Uh, to survive, actually, in this world, you really need that factor. When you get to the fourth chakra, which is at the heart, this is where you express what they call divine love or compassion. So it's love, but it's an octave higher than the second chakra love. Right. So it's a higher octave. And it's, it's, it's a wonderful place to be. And here's where you, 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 you just flood with joy when you see something beautiful. Um, generosity is here. Um, just a very accepting, unconditional source of love. Then you get to the throat chakra, which is our expression and how we verbalize and express ourselves. And then we get to our sixth, which is the third eye between the brows. And here's where you gain your inner sight or your intuition. And it really develops right here at this level. And these manifestations, actually, you can, as you go through each chakra, you can actually feel the pulsing or some kind of um, maybe temperature, you know, but something. You will feel some manifestation of it. And then, of course, the, the crown chakra when she finally meets with Lord Shiva. And then you have the divine union of energy meets consciousness. And that's the um, whole goal, because he, by himself, consciousness cannot really express in in whatever he really wants to uh, manifest. And Shakti herself, if you just have energy but no um, consciousness, you know, you can't do that either. You need each other. So this is what the whole union is about, and it can be within the individual body. And also you can um, express it with your partner. Well, we're gonna, I'm going to ask you a little bit more about that. I just want to let people know that you're listening to Tantra Cafe. I'm speaking with Chandi Devi, who is clearly a knowledgeable force in the world of, of Tantra. She's explaining what happens as the Kundalini rises up the spine so clearly in such a way that anybody really could understand and what union means that it's an energy and consciousness phenomenon. And I'm Laurie Hamlet, your host on Tantra Cafe, and I'm so glad you're listening. Hopefully you'll stay tuned for more. So we just came, you just talked about how we got into this divine union. You could express it with a partner, or you could express it yourself. Now, tell, I, I want to know, you know, how this union has affected you as an individual. I hear that it's cleared up your health issues, which is, mm-hmm. congratulations, it's amazing. And then what else? You know? Well, what it's done is, you know, it's, I'm a very, very um, right-brained person. I've always just been, you know, just so highly creative and <laughs> um, artistic, you know, the whole nine yards. And I had very, very little skills as far as um, organizational and um, you know, um, 
more uh, left-brain things. That was not my thing. My sister told me, you're the most right-brain person I've ever known. <laughs> <laughs> and what's happened is with, with Tantra, I've, I've learned to access that left brain, and um, I have, as a result, a lot more balanced, you know, like putting the book together. I mean, that took a lot of left-brain effort. <laughs> I used to literally get a headache. My brain was like, oh, my God, you're going to, you know, <laughs> I'm, I'm going to just combust. It was just not used to it. And so what's that? And then since then, too, I've also learned a great deal about the computer, and I know HTML and things that I never dreamed I would ever know. Um, and among other things, let's see. Um, oh, becoming very um, intuitive. Your intuition increases so that, you know, you can, well, you're pretty, your impressions of people and situations are pretty right on. And I, I think that's just, um, it just makes me, you know, very pleased and very grateful that, you know, that I'm aware of it. And I'm sure all of us have all, we all have this and we're, we're just not aware that we do. No. Now, you mentioned the book, so what? Tell us what's the name of your book. Sure, the book and is you, called. Go ahead. No, the the book is called From Om to Orgasm, and the reason being is we Om representing spiritual practices, and how we feel that by having knowledge of the practices and actually doing them, it can. Uh, bring you to the point of having authentic, um, living in an authentic orgasmic state, as well as, you know, having or, having orgasms. But basically, living your whole life as it is um, uh, one big orgasm, which it is. <laughs> I agree. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it, it'll, it'll leak out to everything. I mean, you know, you can watch a sunset and just feel, uh, it's just that orgasmic sensation. It's just awesome and I, you know it's a way to live your entire life rather than living in fear so you choose now to live in love right right and an orgasm in, in just a, such a really heightened state because mm -hmm. it takes the body something to move itself into orgasm and then it gets to orgasm and it's, it's like a peak experience all the time so it is yes and to live in that state i mean you know if people knew tantra there would be no need for drugs because yep. that, you know it's it's like a permanent state of um being it's not like you know taking something now and then another half an hour you need another hit <laughs> 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 right Right, you just like that. You're already you're high all the time because you do the practices that move the energy through the body. So, right, it's amazing what you're saying. Also, you have a theory. How can people get your book from Om to Orgasm? Actually, you can just go to Amazon.com and type it in, and it'll pop up. Oh, or you can go to my site, uh, theworldoftantra.com, and it's there at the bottom. You click it, and it'll take you to the publisher's site. Wonderful. Yeah, we try to um, break the book up in three sections. The first section being um, more information and knowledge and background of the practice 
and the um, philosophy of Tantra. And the second, the middle part is about, you know, human beings and what our desires are. And, you know, and it's good to have desires. It's wonderful. We can just integrate everything, you know, material uh, with the spiritual. We don't see any difference between having a material life or a spiritual life. Everything should be in balance. And then the third section is about um, the actual things you can do, such as massage or, you know, dancing or sexual union and so forth. So the book follows that formula of knowledge, desire, and action. And it only takes like, gosh, if if you begin, if you're a brand new person to this, you can start with five minutes a day, and, and I promise you this, because this is what I did. When I first started to meditate, I could not sit. And I said, okay, that's okay, I'm going to do five minutes a day. But I did it every single day, five minutes. Within a month, automatically, I was sitting there for like 15 minutes or longer. But it just um, kept you know, kept up that way, and then pretty soon I was sitting for an hour and a half without much effort. But it started with five minutes a day. And I would, you know, really tell everyone, don't be afraid, because I did it. I, I started five minutes a day. I couldn't sit. My mind was so busy. Yeah, the mind is very busy. <laughs> the monkey mind, you know? <laughs> but I definitely found that you found that with the tantra, I found that with the tantra, with things like fire breath or charging mm-hmm. and transmutation, that my mind starts to get quiet right away and different from when I was just trying to sit there meditating. Yeah, you know, that's very important because this is one thing about tantra that is different from other practices is that you keep your body active, but your mind has to be silent. So even if you're dancing like you're talking, you know, or doing all these exercises, your mind is really, the body is really, um, you know, active. But the mind is still, and it's actually an easier way to um, meditate. Dancing and chanting is my favorite meditation, actually. I don't blame you. I, I, and plus it's so much more fun than just sitting your butt down. Exactly. Like <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> My favorite meditation is whirling, so we're, we're close, mm-hmm. but yeah. I like whirling a lot. But it's a good, yeah, I love whirling, too. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So but, it, sounds like you, it sounds like you took your desire and you, your desire to meditate, you know, you loved the energy and the flow that you felt mm-hmm. upon introduction to first part of meditation, and then you took that, you took the tantric practices and they made everything like you said, accelerated, and yeah. now you're, you're in this state of bliss. I mean, it's clear to me that you're in a state of bliss. If anyone couldn't tell that by just talking to you, it's so sweet to communicate with you. It's easy to communicate with you. I don't feel resistance, and I don't feel a lot of ego. Mm-hmm. I, I just feel you. Oh, thank you. So I, I, you're welcome. I, 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 thank I, you. I, I try hard, but, you know, and, and then at a certain point you have to let go. See, that's the other thing. Right. Like, I, like I told you, I was a really good student for a couple of years. I mean, I just read books and books and books. and But then at some point it was time to let it go. 
And I still do that. I'll let it go, and I won't pick up a book. I will just engage in just my, you know, just being around here with the animals and the kids and all that, boyfriends, girlfriends, you know. Um, and then I might be like this for a couple of years, and then all of a sudden I get hungry again. I guess it's like an appetite. <laughs> you get hungry, so then you want to eat again, so then all the books come out again. <laughs> you know, yeah. and, and you start studying again, and then it goes into... You know, then it lets you rest, and it lets if by resting you actually have a chance to make it work again. Give it a chance to, uh, yeah, to, to work. Well, I like what you're saying. I really like what you're saying. For me, it feel to me the highest practice in tantra is, is being in the unknown, and and I I really pr- try to prevent my students from making this into another religion and substitute oh. this and making a law about it the way. Yeah the way religions have been presented. So it sounds like that's, I mean, it sounds like we're twins in that effort. You do some, you, you're really gung-ho for a while, and then you you relax for a while. Now, I want to ask I want to ask you some very, some questions that I feel might help people okay. if they understood, you know, if they got your answers to this. For example, I know that people, I know, I just did my first teenager course. I had uh I taught eight teenagers about sex and tantra, and it was amazing. Their parents handed them over to me, but their parents knew me well. It wasn't like it wasn't just a public thing. So, I want to ask you about parents and children. How can how can parents prevent their children from having the same baggage as them, uh, the baggage of guilt and shame in, yeah. in sex? Yeah. What do you have to say? I think at an early age, they should all be always be told that to honor yourself, you know, worship yourself. My, my guru says, honor yourself, worship yourself, meditate on yourself. God dwells within you as you. And I think by teaching you that, that God is within you, it, you know, it elevates you. You cannot, you cannot feel that you are a sinner. You cannot, you cannot have a great self-esteem if somebody tells you, you're a sinner, you're bad. <laughs> you know, it doesn't work like that. It, it, you need to show them that you are God. Therefore, you are divine. You are a divine being in, in a human body. And, um, you know, you, you, you have every, um, you have inherited the right to, to have a life of good health and happiness and love and peace and joy. And sex. And, yes, and sex. And sex is beautiful. Sex is, there's nothing to be ashamed about sex. Honor it because if God allows it, it's got to be good. How could God allow something and say, oh, here it is, but it's real, real bad, you know. And, and sex is the most beautiful thing in the world. And I think if people accept that, you know, it's, it takes a different um, turn because when you tell them that something is really wrong, what do teenagers want to do? They want to do it because, oh, this is really, really awful. <clears throat> you know, they, they want to um, do something that is, <laughs> that is illicit, if you will. And yeah, it will. It gives them some, um, you know, like adventure or... But if they're taught that they're divine creatures and, and, and their partners and their friends and everyone else is also divine, and then if you start to respect each other and, you know, have this um, unconditional love for one another in spite of differences, 
and being just totally non-judgmental. And this is another thing. They should really stress not to judge people. You can discern without being judgmental. You know? So it's very important. It's a very, very important word. Yeah. Very important. Mm -hmm. Well, how, how does... Um, how could people prepare their own body for the process of Tantra? How can adults prepare themselves physically for the process of Tantra? I think um, a lot of the um, practices, and, and as you teach in your workshops, these are great, great things and because they help to move the, the energy along, and plus they will inhibit the body. The body has to learn to be natural and authentic and not to be contracted or inhibited and I think like the exercises that you teach all help to open a person up because you're only as open as your body you know if if, if your mind if, if your mind is um, contracted it's going to be really difficult to be real that's and a that's, that's uh, you know, bumper sticker Pardon? That should be a bumper sticker. If your mind distracted, it's very difficult to be real. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. People are going to say, what is that? What are you talking about? <laughs> and I, know that, I know what you're talking about. So, so people have to really, they're going to, they open their body. I mean, I, yeah. to me, if I look like, I, I say I'm bypassing the mind. Like, the mind is still going to chatter away. Because mm -hmm. that monkey mind, that's his job. The, yeah. the, it, it, the reptilian brain, the part of the brain that that's always looking for fight or flight, mm -hmm. that part of the brain is meant to keep us small and keep us in contraction and fear. It feels that our life is in, in, in danger. See, that reptilian... Yeah. <laughs> You know, even if, even when there's no threat, you know, right. uh, if you're wearing a better outfit than me, mm -hmm. to, to school, my reptilian brain feels threatened to death. Yeah. <laughs> and you know that reptilian brain is actually at the first chakra, <laughs> so the brain is way down there. <laughs> <laughs> so that's what, that's what, that's what it is. That's right. And, you know, once we shake it up and loosen it up, it'll start to, you know, crumble. And then we can build a foundation. In fact, you were talking about the physical body. We have to build a foundation. It's like building a house. You can't build a house with no foundation. So this is where your, your exercises and your spiritual practice and your meditation, you know, this is all um, laid down like the foundation of a house first. And then from there, you can start, you know, building. And then before long, people can live in it, you know? I, this is it's great. We, to me, we have to – I was going to say this before. It's funny. When you were going through the chakras uh -huh. and, and you were, when you got to the heart, you know, and you said this is a divine place. I, for me, I have a lot of issues with people in, who, who, who are simply spiritual. I have issues with people who are on a spiritual path who don't practice Tantra. I personally have them. Like I said, I'm not going to be RSC religiously or spiritually correct on my own show. Uh, I have issues with people whose hearts are open and haven't done any lower work. 
any lower right. stock. Well, if right. they haven't, if they haven't faced the snake, mm-hmm. if they haven't faced the bottom, their their survival instinct, their reptilian brain. Yeah. If they haven't faced the pleasure and pain, both the desire of it, yeah. the inflicting of it, mm-hmm. I don't trust them. You're you're absolutely right. You're absolutely right. You know, it's like um, tantra is the union of opposites. So, you know, the reptilian, the animal, it's all good. You know, you can have, you can be a divine person and still be an animal in bed. I mean, it's... Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Well, speaking of that, that, we just need to pause for a moment again. If you've just tuned in, you're listening to Laurie Handler's on Tantra Cafe, and my guest today is... Chandi Devi, who is the host of her own radio show, which is Karma Cafe, Spiritual Hour, and we are having a great time talking about Tantra, talking about East meets West, and we just, she just mentioned being an animal in bed, you can still be an animal in bed, so I want to, I want to invite you to my Red Hot Tantra course with my co-teacher, Gino Allegria, in a palace in India in January 2010. The course is, the course and the tour are from January 9th to the 22nd in India. You'll arrive in Delhi and spend the night and then we'll, you'll travel by train to our lovely palace in Ajmer, located in the state of Rajasthan, India's most colorful state. There you'll study sexual secrets of red tantra for five days with me and Gino. It's going to be an amazing course. During your stay at the palace, you'll have a chance to explore the local artisans and craftspeople in the town of Ajmer. That's when we're not teaching you, building you up to to a sacred ritual practice, my tuna. And at, at the end of your palace tantra course, you'll travel to nearby Pushkar, uh, a holy city. And then you'll visit Agra to see the Taj Mahal, which is built from devotion, the devotion of a king to his wife, a true testament to love. And after Agra, you'll travel to Kadaraho to see the amazing Kamasutra temple built by the Chandala king. You'll have an ample time, ample time to see these renowned temples up close, and you'll get to meditate inside even. I love doing meditation inside these, these tantra temples. When you return to Delhi, you'll tour the city or shop in the Paragons, one of the world's oldest markets. If you'd like to stay on in India, we also have, we can make arrangements for you to have a variety of tours. You'll have plenty to choose from. For more information about this red hot tantra palace course in India, please call me at 202-686-6740. That's 202-686-7440, or write to me, laurie at butterflyworkshops.com. So, we're back for a few more moments about Tantra and East meets West from Shandi Devi, who really is a bridge in her own right to uh, Eastern, growing up Eastern and growing up Western all together. So I want to ask you, first of all, I want to ask you about your DVDs, 
You have, I know we talked about your book, From Ohm to Orgasm, which people can order on Amazon. And you also have a set of DVDs called The World of Tantra. And what what happens on these DVDs so people can know if they, if they want to order? Oh, well, I do some of the exercises uh, that are basic Tantra to awaken the Kundalini and to loosen the pelvis, uh, such as the Rishis and uh, the Tibetans and the meditations, um, some breath exercises. And it just... It's meant for the viewer to just pop it in their DVD player and just follow along. And how can they, how can people get that? Is that on Amazon too? No, that one's on my site, which is theworldoftantra.com. And I broke it down into three. So there are some exercises. Um, because all in one, it would just be too much for someone to be doing at home. <laughs> so, you know, we broke it into three sections so that person select the amount of one, two, or three is what I call the Devi dance, which is uh, a dance just celebrating the different elements. And the music is there, so all you have to do is pop it in, and if it's air, it'll, the music sounds real airy, and you kind of can take a glance at me and then just go ahead and dance around like like your element. Um, your element is air. And... There's fire, you know, earth. But the whole idea is to just kind of let go and just be free. And also, when I did that, the dancing part of the video, this is when my rheumatoid arthritis was at its worst, at its worst. I could barely walk. And um, I am dancing as best I can. And it was on the beach. And it's real simple. And if I could do it at my, you know, even... In my progressed state of um, arthritis during that time, uh, anyone can do it. So, you know, I would encourage anyone to pop it in and and, and don't say, well, I can't dance or, you know, I'm all <laughs> left feet or whatever. No, you can't because I did it. <laughs> and uh, just pop me in there and, you know, do your thing and just feel the bliss. That That's the whole idea is to just really get the music into your pores and just, oh, just let it, just release it all out. It's, this is really wonderful. So you, what you're talking about, I we talked. To, I want to connect this back to orgasm, because okay. because what you're talking about, this dancing and letting the pelvis free. You know, the last in our last few minutes, uh, people. How does moving your pelvis and dancing and curing yourself of arthritis, how does this last, last uh, or how does this connect to orgasms, multiple orgasms that go in waves, that go for hours? Well, when you, when you see that your body is, um, you know, it, it is, your body is liberated, you're free, as well as your mind. Because, so now you have nothing holding you back. The mind is not saying, no, you can't do that, that's not good, or, you know, oh, he's going to think you're too fat, or whatever, you know. So you got that thing going on with the mind. And then you got the body saying, I'm stiff, you know, I can't move. Well, that's not conducive to having, you know, orgasm, multiple orgasms even. So... We learn to relax the body, just let it flow, and then when the mind goes as well, and 
you just enjoy the moment and just being present and not thinking, you know, don't don't think. Just relax and, and just really enjoy it. Um, because, look, even if your body is imperfect, which all of us, you know, most of us have imperfect bodies, if you just think and realize that, you know, you're a goddess and view yourself as the goddess and for the man, and you see the woman as this beautiful entity, this beautiful work of art here, and just relax and let it go. And if you just, you know, live that way also when you're not having sex, and I, it can guarantee a, a very pleasant um, existence most of the time, you know. And even if you do have challenges, you know how to get back. At least you have the tools and, and you know how to get back. Right, right. So great. Really so great. What a great... What a great statement. And I, listen, you're living proof of it, and so am I. So, I mean, really, we've just brought the point together that we, we, West and East are meeting, and if they're meeting anywhere, besides the fact that there's a yoga studio in every corner like Starbucks, (laughs) East and West have met in your body, and they've met in my body, and our body and mind have, have, connected in a way that's uh, different from the frazzled life that what that people lead in the West or the inauthentic or the attachment to to material things. I think that I think everything you just said is the culmination of everything we've talked about. That you can just let it flow. You can let it flow on a day-to-day basis, on a minute-to-minute basis, and you can let it flow when also having sex. So everything occurs as an orgasm. Everything occurs as orgasmic and happy, kind of like, and you have tools to deal with everything else. Exactly. Really, really great. Get over things. I mean, you know, if you're presented with a challenge, you know, you have the tools. It doesn't become a crisis. Your life doesn't become chaotic. You just, you know, you just cope, and you learn to with um, with equipoise, and you know, I think that's that's great. That's the only way to live. That's great. Well, I want to thank you, Shani Davy, for being my guest today on the show. It's been a wonderful, wonderful hour with you, and I I appreciate being on your show, and I appreciate you being on my show. It's it's just been wonderful. So I thank you. I want, uh, if anyone wants to order the book, you can order Shani Davis' book, From Ohm to Orgasm, The Tantra Primer for Living in Bliss, from Amazon.com. You can visit her website, theworldoftantra.com, to get her DVDs and learn the movements and learn some some exercises that activate your sexual energy, your kundalini. And I'm Laurie Hamler saying Namaste from Tantra Cafes. You can find me at ButterflyWorkshops.com. I look forward to having you at my next show. Thank you. Thank you. Namaste. Namaste.